Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer. He's on the East Coast, and we're moving along with this in-season tournament, Nate. We've got the semifinals here on Thursday night, so just two games that we are looking at. Feels weird. It's like the playoffs, kind of, single elimination, though, like two game sevens at one night, and so we have to figure out who's going to play uh, I guess, well in these situations. We know what we're getting from some teams. Never really seen the Pacers at all in this situation, nor the Pellies. But we'll get into uh, our best bets in this one for both games. And then we will look at player props in our other video. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along each and every weekday this season. Also head to thelines.com. Use the odds finder tool up there to make sure you're getting the best juice on all of these bets you are making in the NBA and this in-season tournament this year. Nate, let's go ahead and get into your first best bet here that we've got for the Pellies and the Lakers in the Western Conference. Yeah, I'll go under 230 in that Lakers game. I mean, overall thought is that these in-season tournament games are going to go under. They're going to be more like the playoffs. Um, and, you know, now we're at a neutral site, which I kind of looked back at the game log. There's been a lot of unders when teams when neither team has a, a determined home advantage. Uh, granted, a lot of those games were in Mexico City at ridiculous altitude, but... Uh, I mean, what we've seen in the in the in-season tournament so far is just better defense, slower pace, more of a playoff atmosphere, more intensity. I'm not going to risk that with the, with the Bucks Pacers under as high as that total is. I would rather take the under than the over. Um, it's a historical total, but yeah. So let's target this game under 230, under 57 and a half in the fourth quarter if you want to go that route. Because what we saw with the Lakers. You know, I thought the Suns would just elevate that that offensive flow in that game, and it was on pace for a lot of points through the first quarter. But then the, the Lakers got back on their playoff stuff, slowed it down. I mean, they struggled offensively in the second quarter, got back into it on defense. That Pelicans D is fantastic as well, despite the fact that they were at an elevated situation in Sacramento in their last game. So two good defensive teams here, playoff atmosphere. Lakers went under this total, Josh, 230 in 14 of their 16 playoff games last year, despite, you know, you know, as soon as they scored a lot, they held the other team down. So, and both of these teams, you know, they, they limit exactly what you would think the other team is trying to do. They're both top 10 in free throws allowed. Uh, they're both top five in paint points allowed recently. And both offenses are depending on, on free throw points, on paint points. So I, I think it could be a real, you know, physical game turnovers, etc. Let's look at the Pelicans in these in-season tournament games. I mean, the overs were kind of obvious at Dallas at SAC, the unders against good defensive teams, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets. Um, <clears throat> they have, they, they're only, you know, three of their 10 overs on the season are when they're on a back-to-back. They're actually three and O to the under with two days off. Um, I mean, this one day off here, I guess since Tuesday, but you know that shows kind of the the, the rest discrepancy. They're seven and four to the under after a win. Um, the Lakers, meanwhile, have gone under in three straight of these in-season tournament games with a one hundred two defensive rating. They're ten and four to the under when they're favorites. They're five and two and they have a rest uh, advantage here. Under in seven of their last eleven overall. Well, really, it's like the second half and fourth quarter stuff that I, that I'm leading with off the top here. In their last eight in the second half, the Lakers have struggled offensively, 107 offensive rating, pace slowed down. The Pelicans have slowed down to a 97 pace in the second half in that same span. And in the fourth quarter in particular, last game, the Lakers played at a 78 pace against the Suns. Very frustrating if you were trying to get an over there. 44 total points in the fourth quarter. 
The Pels, even at Sacramento, which usually is a very high-scoring finish, very exciting, 92 pace, 53 points. So not sniffing this 57.5, even in that game environment, that we might have in the fourth quarter. So that's that's the way I think we, we play this uh, Western Conference semifinal. Yeah, I, I do agree with this entirely, and it's it's fully predicated on the Lakers because like as much as we've seen them play as, as a fast-paced team at random points, especially last year, and obviously that was a point in time where they had uh, a Mr. Westbrook, so that was a little bit different, um, and I get that. And, and then what have we seen since then is basically what my, my go-to. There have been the occasional fast-paced games that LeBron and team are, are willing to get into uh, with a team like the Mavericks or whatever, I don't think it's that that's not this game um, either way. It's going to be a little bit more bruiser ball because it's just sort of like both of them bringing in the bruisers um, in terms of Joval getting minutes, which he's averaged around 26 or more. And then you get Herb Jones in there as well. There's going to be a little bit more fluidity with new Orleans offense, as we've seen with Trey Murphy since he's been in there, but two thirty is still too high for a total that like we could easily see, you know, under two fifteen in this game and to have that type of game that we saw from that Suns game where everything just completely slows down. And on top of that, like what I really saw from the other game was LeBron picks his spots, right? He really, within a game, he knows when he's about to, like it was the, it was the uh, second quarter and it was the fourth quarter. And in the first and third, he was like diamond up, diamond up second and fourth. He scored most of his 31 points in those two quarters. Uh, I believe he had uh, 15 in the second. So, Right, we're, we're we're talking about a guy who's going to be very not uh, active in terms of usage rate for large portions of the game, and that's what they rely on. Like you saw how bad they were without him on the floor. That's just another thing. I don't know if they can go as long without seeing Austin Reeves again. Obviously, he was instant offense, and maybe it won't be quite as easy with the length of the uh, of the Pelicans. Like I do not like Austin Reeves in a matchup against Herb Jones. That's for sure. And even Trey Murphy being back, even more like it's. It was one of those things where when we were watching the Kings, I was immediately like, what the hell did I bet on the Kings for? I forgot that all of this length is exactly what screws them up. And now they have Trey Murphy back, which is like another seven foot two wingspan on a dude that's like 6'10". It's all it's it's going to be a lot of, like you said, not necessarily like ugly turnovers as much as like forced turnovers and just really good defense and a lot of shot clock being used. Uh, so I, I agree with the yeah. under here. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to let you go that, with, yeah. with the, 38 yeah, paint points. They held, they held the Kings to 38 paint points, which is incredible in the modern NBA and Austin Reeves. Yeah. You mentioned has, has terrible numbers against the Pelicans in five meetings. Uh, would not expect him to necessarily replicate the success he had against the Suns. Yeah. For sure. Get, talk, talk to us about the fourth quarter. So, because I, I just want to be clear, we are eyeing like the in-season tournament and using it as uh, using like playoff historical data to help us with the context for what we can expect here. So, like, let's let's talk about the fourth quarter bets that we love to take in these types of situations as well. Yeah, I mean, I broke it down with the pace. It just slows down to a playoff pace uh, where every possession is hotly contested. You know, we kind of saw this with the newness of the All Star Game, the Elam ending a couple years ago, right? Where it's just like wow, NBA players playing really hard on defense. Like, it is hard to score when everybody is connected and and playing really hard together. Uh, I mean, when you have Anthony Davis as the back line for this Lakers team, and when you have all that length that the Pelicans can throw at the Lakers, uh, Herb Jones, you know, Dyson Daniels, whatever they want to throw at the backcourt. Um, you know, I just think that there's, there's good enough matchups to make it difficult for anybody to find points. You could always get a bad beat if like the free throw game is going back and forth down the last few seconds here with the fourth quarter. 
Um, but, you know, I, as long as that doesn't happen, I don't think we're getting near 60 points in a fourth quarter. Yeah, that, that, that definitely feels right with the way that things lock up on, on both ends. And the Pellies are still somewhat of an enigma to me because they can play as two different teams. But I think we've seen them as, as best when they're just attacking the rim on offense. Maybe they do want to fast break a bunch. Um, but I think, yeah, by the fourth quarter, like you said, NBA teams that are carrying in games that they want to win, they're going to get back and actually play that D. So uh, let me go with uh, the pick that I have here for best bets because I, uh, I'm going with another under with with, with Chris Middleton, uh, 14 and a half points. And, and yeah, you, it's not necessarily like the best game for unders necessarily, but 14 and a half is, is a high line for Chris Middleton this year who seems like he's capped no matter what the situation is at about 26 minutes per game. I don't know if that's going to change much. Maybe they would consider it in a playoff situation or a different one than in-season tournament, even or a regular season, uh, because like that's all he's gotten, no matter the context this season. So he's gone under an eight of his last 10, nine of his last 11, 14 of 17 on the season. He, he doesn't go over 14 points this season. Um, he's not involved in the fast break at all which is going to be a big problem in this one. I believe that's a lot of what you're going to see Indiana trying to do. Like, I don't think that they believe they can really necessarily score on this Milwaukee half court defense when they have to get into the trees like that. So they are going to continue to rely on the fast break as we know they do. doesn't mean they're not going to get back. It's like they still tried and, and fast break frequently and often against the Celtics who are just a really good fast break defense. This team is not quite as much, but Chris Middleton isn't involved either way. Uh, he has the lowest frequency of, of running out in transition of any uh, rotation player on this team. Like anybody that's actually playing at least like 17, 20 minutes, uh, he's, he's not getting out more than anyone, like including Brolo. <laughs> that says that they're basically not there together. They're staying on the defensive side most often either way when, when the Bucks are out in transition. Um, and then it, that's where Indy's allowing the most points, also the most points in the paint. Another area that Chris Middleton isn't really frequenting right now. And he never has, and he never is supposed to be down there because then he's just getting in the way of guys like Giannis and Dame, who are both getting to the free throw line continuously, as we knew that they would. Dame's not near the 11 free throw attempts a game that he was when he was a Blazer, but it's a different offense. And so seven is still very uh, attractive for a point guard in terms of getting to the line. And that's why Chris Middleton's playing predominantly out there uh, and, and shooting a lot of mid-range as we continue to see shooting a lot of threes. And so, I mean, he's going to need to hit a lot of threes, essentially, is what would need to happen. And I don't think he's going to hit four of them even to get you to like 12 points. Um, and so he's only getting to the line like a, like less than a handful of times, three times a game because he's not really banging down low, uh, not really continuing to get like offensive rebounds at all. That's not really his gimmick. So that's going to be a lot of what you see is like crashing the boards, crashing uh, the paint for for Milwaukee. That's going to be their their game plan. And Chris Middleton is just not going to be involved in a lot of what they're doing often. So I, I think a lot of people who might take an over on a Chris Middleton bet will get frustrated if they were to like not see him and during their screen very often because of the way the pace of this game goes, you know? Yeah. I like this. We're, we're evolving. We're adjusting. We saw you took Al Horford against the Pacers two, uh, three nights ago. And you're like, wow, the, the old goat is not going to stay on the floor here in this type of up and down yep. game. These teams are both top five in pace. The bucks are going to get whatever they want going to the rim. The Pacers are so vulnerable at the power forward position that, you know, I don't think they, they need Middleton as much in this game to get it going from the mid-range, everything yeah. is going to be like a three or or going to the rim with Giannis and Dame controlling everything. I would look at Giannis and, and Barolo getting more points than, than Middleton in this matchup. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to go with the same game parlay here in the, in the game with the historically high total Giannis 30 points. And then 
some Halliburton stuff because Lord knows we love Halliburton. 25 points, 9 assists. You can go 10 if you want. He has done that in every in-season tournament game. And three threes against this Bucks team. And that gets you to plus 140. I'm just trying to stay a little conservative and still get plus money. And I will throw in that you could probably split a bet on these two guys to win the in-season MVP. They're both about plus 450. Giannis is trailing Dame right now because Dame has been more efficient, more more fourth quarter points. But I could see this being the game. I mean, we're talking about small samples here where Giannis just has a lot more production than Dame because of the matchup we're talking about. He averages 38 his last eight against Indy on 68% field goal shooting, had 54 with Dame out last time these teams met. And, I mean, obviously, if the Pacers are able to get past this one and Halliburton just, you know, the ultimate, like, are you not entertained crowd pleaser, I I could see him just lighting it up in the final against whatever – the Pelicans, Lakers. I mean, the Lakers would be a fantastic matchup for him, right? He is way too quick for all their guards. And, you know, he's just unconscious from three right now. I mean, since he went over against the Cavs in that first one, 51% from deep, hitting five over five threes in this tournament. He's averaging 28 a game, 13 and a half assists. Milwaukee has the, you know, allowing nearly 40% from three in their last seven games here. They allow 28 points per game in their last 15 to the point guard position. So he should eat against Dame. Uh, we expect Giannis to eat in any matchup, but especially against this vulnerable power forward team. Um, and so Giannis to, to score more than Dame here and, and uh, get, get his 30. Yeah, I'm with it. Um, the Giannis bet I'm good with the all, I mean, I'm good with all of it, honestly, like the Halliburton stuff. I, I actually wanted to touch on the potential of him winning the in-season tournament MVP. Uh, I, I'm not sure what, what you think about it at this point, because like, to me, you have to win it according to the way that the projections are like, you have to oh, yeah. win the tournament to be like your team has to. Right. So if, but if they don't, has he not been the best the best dude like would he not be sort of like I, I don't know if it was like the uh the March Madness it would be like he's the regional MVP or something at this point and then yeah I guess there'd have to be like a turn of MVP maybe we need a group play MVP because he's just been unreal and I don't know why that would stop against this this team who's just like you said I mean this is where their weakest uh within their entire team on defense is right at the head of that defense where Dame is standing although they moved him off to the wing a bit so that he's not really this the spear of it you know the tip of it but like it's it's he's still a weak point out there on the wing and, and Halliburton's gonna find that mismatch as he's continuously done. And good on him for for like finding the, the right times to go in and drive. That that uh floater game is unreal. He's at like sixty-three percent uh from the floor when he's shooting that floater. So he's gonna he's gonna need it when he's going into the trees after he gets by guys. But I, I love him to get the twenty five, like you said. Nate, let's go ahead and run right into your first NBA play up prop for tonight. Yeah, Brandon Ingram, the line is pretty low with 23 and a half points. Um, I I will definitely take that. I would make it probably a couple higher and you can get slightly plus odds for him to have 25 in this game. Uh, something he's done in four or five in season tournament so far. Um, and the take is partially because, I mean, Zion Williamson is is not really interested in this tournament. Like you see in the post game, they asked they asked the Pels how you might celebrate if you won. And he just started like laughing like a child. Um, I mean, Sack Sack doubled him and, and tried to force him out of the game, and he was completely willing to just say, "Fine, I'm too cool for this. Like, I don't, I don't care. I'm not going to try." And Bi just picked up the team, put him on their sh- on his shoulders at 30 points in 40 minutes. Um, and he obviously cares about this matchup, whether it's in season or not, 
because it's the Lakers franchise that that dealt him away, right? And and his last five against them, 27 and a half a game, 33% usage. That's 27 in just 33 minutes. Um, you know, he averages 27 in his playoff career, which is a six-game series with the Suns last year. We just saw the Lakers D struggle against Kevin Durant and his length and ability to get to the rim, which is pretty much what B.I. brings to the table. Not the same kind of range, but he is pretty lethal in mid-range right now, now that he has it going. And he can also get by his man if they overplay his mid-range. Averaging 25.5 away from New Orleans this year, despite the fact that the Pelicans' offense dips in general. So still can like an under here, but his usage goes up from 27 to 31% in those road games um, I mean, once again, it's kind of connected to Zion and just, you know, him not being that guy yet, just being such, such a young, like to a degree, immature player, who's not going to, to rise the occasion. Uh, if, if, if the going gets tough, um, I mean, plus four seventy for Ingram to be the top scorer in this game. I don't know how, how much I would put behind that probably 0.1 units, if anything, just because AD and LeBron are both capable of also going for 30 plus here. But I think the, the game environment will be pretty slow and choppy half-court game, and that's why I like a mid-range Maven like Ingram. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's always liable to score, and he's going to be – I, I agree. I just I don't know that there will be a time in his career that he doesn't bring it against this franchise. So I think he's always going to be a first place to look, uh, you know, so I'm with that. I'm going to stay in this game as well. Uh, I've got both my props from this game. I, I was going to talk about Herb Jones' points and rebounds, but there's there's not enough points to go around for all for bi to score which i like a lot of uh, i i don't know that zion's going to be super quiet for two games in a row not that that necessarily impacts ingram's ability to score um i do i mean zion was still very involved in the past game had six assists um which was almost as many field goals as he attempted by the way he only shot eight eight times like you said he's like all right you're just going to double and triple me every time like I don't need this shit I'll just drive jump in the air and then find one of the three open dudes because you're triple teaming me and if I don't think that'll necessarily be the exact game plan for the Lakers but they can't really afford to like let Zion get ahead of steam and then meet AD at the rim every time one AD is going to eventually break we all know that and two uh like that's just going to continue to get him in foul trouble right so yeah and, and Zion will just get assists off of that so I, either way I, w- I like all that I'm going to go with Herb Jones rebounds though I think this is another good spot for for him to keep getting boards he was a a beast on the glass against the kings which was always the game plan but when like i said in the the best best video when trey murphy's back like it's all all steam ahead like everybody attack the the rim on both sides of the court including on the offensive side uh where i think herb jones will be doing a lot of of his attempts to, to get those rebound chances right he'll actually be attacking that rather than worried about getting back in transition where the lakers are not really a threat at this point uh, the four and a half boards is something that he's done in his last three. Trey Murphy's been back for the last three. He didn't really play much of one of those games, mostly two of them. But either way, with him back, Herb is a true like forward and doesn't have to worry about playing anywhere a little bit more above uh, the break, if you will, because now Trey Murphy is the shooting guard for, for this team. And, and he made it all the way up to 29 and a half minutes in just his second game back against the Kings. I expect him to get 30 at least in this one as well, as he's a pretty solid uh, matchup to, to have in this Lakers game um, and can definitely shut down a variety of positions, to, to, which is the Lakers can score in a, a couple different ways. So either way, uh, the, they do allow the most uh, eighth most rebounds per game to small forwards. Um, and Herb's rebound chances have gone up. Like I said, with, with Trey Murphy back, he's up to 10 rebound chances 
He was at about seven in the prior 15 games. Um, I do think there's something to the idea of like him needing to also just help out on a couple guys down low, right? Like he's the, he's the help defender. If anything, uh, steals it's at a one and a half and, and not even really great juice because he does it all the time. Uh, and he, you know, Herb's got like first team all D written all over him. If not like second this year, we'll see where it ends. But, uh, I think that the four and a half boards is something that will probably start going up as we see Trey Murphy in there and Herb Jones playing a lot more of a front court pl- uh, position. Yeah, I mean, he's the primary defensive matchup for LeBron for them, right? So he should be mirroring his minutes minutes to a degree. And LeBron played 40 minutes, I think, in their last in-season game. Um, You know, so he's going to be out there. There's going to be a lot of rebound chances if we we are correct in forecasting an under. Even if not, I mean, these these teams – are just you know kind of kind of bruising down low lots of lots of short bounces you need to get in there mix it up if you're a small forward or shooting guard whatever whatever he's playing not necessarily important in today's nba to go to go position by position which brings me to bruce brown who i I mean i guess the small forward for indy whatever he is he's he's made a big difference in their culture and their ability to compete obviously coming off the championship big game player had a nice 13 8 and 4 game against boston and i'll take him to go 21 pra uh, again here, I want to just take the three assists or the seven and a half rebounds assists. So those are juiced way the hell down, like minus 150. So, I mean, look for an alt maybe to bump that up one or two uh, and feel fine about that or just tack on the points. Because, I mean, we're talking about a game with a 260 total. We're talking about a Bucks defense gives up the, the second most points to shooting guards on the season 25. They allow... 27 and a half assists per game when they're away from home versus 25 at home. They have a 119 defensive rating away from home. Brucey has a lot as, you know, averaged 14 and a half points, nearly seven rebounds, three and a half assists. His last five against Milwaukee with three different teams per, per 36 this season, he's averaging 22 PRA. Um, so, I mean, you, you look at, he played 36 minutes against Boston. He got this. And I think this will be a better scoring environment. We 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 talk about the total. I mean, he, his minutes are going to be secure considering uh, Carlisle played Nemhart all of five minutes and TJ McConnell nine minutes in their last in season tournament game. So it is it is big time playing. It is a big time situation now. Time to give the adults uh, all the run. And I mean, the the good wing defenders like I'll I'll just mention Josh had Chris Middleton under in the best bets. I think this is part of it. I mean, the Pacers do have good guard uh, two defenders at the two and three in Brown, in Matherin, and in Neesmith to throw at Chris Middleton. They're younger. They're hungrier. Uh, I think we'll see much better defense from this Pacers squad that we saw from the Knicks, honestly, when they, they let the Bucks walk all over them on the road in that last game. Um, and if the Pacers' motivation is the same as it was against the Celtics, like they're going to be out there gunning for this win and and probably keeping it a little lower scoring than 260 but we'll see yeah probably uh i'm starting to think about aaron neesmith he was so freaking good in that game against the celtics like i feel like he's got to get some run he was so good defensively was such a big part of like him in there versus obi kind of thing you know like obi didn't get those those key minutes obi got those like we're running we're running and gunning and playing in, in spurts with a ton of pace minutes and uh, I, I think yeah i mean there's going to be plenty of pace in this game but still like aaron neesmith is going to be needed down low if there's anything if there's any chance uh, of getting in front of guys I, I just like him as well in there but not not to take away from bruce brown yeah, i'm going to talk point, about him over obi yeah obi only played 11 minutes i think when Giannis went off for 54 when these teams met him on the go. So he, yeah, they're, they're not willing to keep him out there. If Giannis just, just blows right by him. 
eats him alive. Yeah. Like you said, it's a, it's adults in the room time, which I love. Obviously, you know how much I love that phrase. Uh, let me close it out with Trey Murphy. And, and this is why I sort of I ducked out from going Herb Jones points and rebounds. I was like, this is, this is too many points over here. Too many over points on this one. Trey Murphy, though, like, I, I just think he's too important to the offense, and he just made that so clear in two games. I know they were playing different uh, – he, he, he's not playing a defense that is capable of playing as well as the Lakers can, um, especially with Vanderbilt back. And I, I believe he's good to go tonight. Uh, do, do, do you have anything else on that real quick? Uh, I'm not sure if Vanderbilt's playing. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it said like day to day, but like it said LeBron was questionable, which is like, okay. Uh, but either way, you know, I, I think r- regardless, like that's not necessarily the matchup on Trey Murphy. Point being, like, this is still a good spot for Murphy uh, in, in a game that they're going to need his offense. So in, in the two games back, um, he's had, you know, first he played 17 minutes, still went over 13 and a half, by the way. Then he came, then in, in the last game against the Kings, up to 29 and a half minutes. And I was mentioning in the best bets, I do think he's good for a solid 30, at least in this game as well. The thing that's really encouraging is he's gotten 13 field goals in each of those two games. Even in 17 minutes, he shot 13 times. And, you know, they, they want him to. Uh, that's, that's what he's out there to do. He is the help that they need for Zion to not get double and triple teamed. Their, their three-point shooting was fairly abysmal, uh, honestly, up until the last couple games. And, and it was it jumped up to 39% in the two games that he's been in. It was 35% in, uh, before that. And with him off court uh, in those last two games, I should be more specific. It was 39% with him up on, on the floor versus the 35 off. Prior to that, still just as bad, about 34.5% from deep for the uh, previous like eight games for this team. That was a big topic of discussion of like what limits the Pelicans from being able to hang with good teams, three-point shooting. Um, and so he's back. Even Alvarado, who's, who's liable to hit uh, you know, an open three as well, has been helpful for them being back. Um, the, the fact that Tra- uh, Larry Nance probably is not a- playing again once again tonight, that's one less three-point shooter as well uh, that, you know, once again, going to have to rely on Trey Murphy. Big reason why he was there, standing in, in somewhat of the, the Larry Nance position at times um, when he did slide down into the corner, hit a couple corner threes as well to help him so this is a lot of of his usage and the the offensive rating as well being as good as it is when he's on the floor um 130 in the last two with him on the floor best on the team for sure so there's just a heavy correlation right and and willie knows that uh head coach willie green i should be specific knows that like that's his best weapon when it comes to being able to stretch the floor and and keep a space for other guys as well like when he's on one side on the wing and Brandon Ingram is on the other like sort of extended foul line wing looking for the ball to do his mid-range thing, it's nice to have Trey Murphy over there to keep another guy from being able to come over and collapse on B.I. Um, but either way, I think Murph's going to be the, the recipient of a bunch more assists from guys like Zion standing out there on the three-point line. Did you know his first name is not actually Trey? And that I he's did. just a, a third? And so it's a redundant Trey Murphy the third. Uh, yeah, just small aside there. But um yeah, I mean, this is another way kind of a fate of, of Zion, of, of the Pelicans having a more balanced attack and a, a fate of that Lakers second unit that he'll be going against a lot here. I mean, their their, def- their defense in the second unit, like if he matches up on Austin Reeves, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty decent defender is Austin Reeves, I guess. But I, I just, I respect Trey's ability to both shoot it and, and to pump and drive. Like it's good that he has a couple games under his belt here coming into this matchup and he, and he's looked really good as the numbers reflect. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to the fact that when you're a shooter like him and you can't do much except for stand in the gym and shoot, 
you don't really lose that as much. Obviously, game flow is a little different, but um, yeah, Kenneth Trey Murphy the third over thirteen and a half points tonight, and that is all the time that we have for you. In the play of props, make sure you check out Best Bets as well for our little Thursday slate here. We'll be back with the 13 games that we have on Friday, by the way. All 11 teams that played on Wednesday, plus the uh, four teams that lost in the quarterfinals. Got a couple games there as well. So until we see you next, happy betting. Let's go.